0: Welcome to SME Radio. In this episode of Mid-Market Matters, we're joined by Dr. Luke Hurst. Luke's the CEO and founder of Building 20, and he's got a really interesting perspective on how to turn remote work into long-term competitive advantage for mid-market businesses. Interestingly, he's an attention economist, and that means he helps teams get to be able to do difficult things faster. Luke, firstly, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Craig.
0: So let's start with the obvious question. Tell me about what attention economy is.
1: (laughs) I thought you'd ask that. Um, Attention economy is really the choice, but economics is really the choice between scarce things. So your time at work is a scarce thing and your attention is the way that really you express your productivity. And so what I do as the CEO of Building 20 is I work with teams to help them amplify their attention at work, how to get the most out of their time there.
0: Right, okay. And your background, you've got a very strong academic background, you've got a PhD in economics, Um, you're a director at a consulting firm, you're a research fellow at the ANU and at Melbourne University. So um, tell us a little bit about that research background and what has that taught you about business and how you approach things?
1: Yeah, I think my my career path is best described as a random walk. Um, So I think I I started out, especially on the productivity side of things, I got interested in it um, as a PhD student. I was way behind on my thesis. I had no real plan to get out of that hole. And me and my office mate decided to try this thing called the Pomodoro Technique, which is just working in 25-minute blocks. Yeah. And we gamified it. So whoever did the most Pomodoros on their thesis each week, the other person would buy them beers. <laughs> and that progressed us insanely. We, I was amazed at, by how much it accelerated our progress. And so I just went further and further down the rabbit hole. And as I worked with more teams on different things at Nouse Group, um, I realized that productivity managers and leaders of organizations just assumed that people were good at it and didn't provide training around it and I realized as I went further down the rabbit hole and started up a side hustle that turned into building 20 was that there was a real need for people to get training and and management consulting that was focused on productivity and so that's that's what I do now.
0: Yeah and it's such an important issue if you've got a mid-market business with 50 people you know a five percent improvement in their productivity we're talking about big money.
1: Oh big time and for For SMEs, I mean, they're they're leaner, resources matter more, I would argue, than big businesses. And so if I tell you that people on average lose two hours a day to trivial distractions, that's like wiping out sort of one in four people. And that's what the data tells us that we collect with businesses. And so, but the good thing is that, you know, when I work with businesses that are 20 to 50 people, it's much easier to turn that ship and bake productivity into that culture. When I'm working with businesses that are a 1,000-plus people, it's a lot more workshops and stakeholder engagement to get people to understand why they're changing their ways of working. So there's a real opportunity here.
0: Yeah, okay. So I I sort of get how you got into the the productivity space. Um, You're obviously working in this space at a really interesting time because people are working from home. We've got around the world again now we're going into second and third round shutdowns um how have you found that's affected you know the way people work and the future of work perhaps
1: well we did a a study of a a bit over 400 people in Australia around the first lockdown so I think the paper came out in June uh and it's available on our website um but I think some of the most interesting things is that people are enjoying working from home. They they want to do it more. People hate the commute, um, and so getting more time to work from home and not having to lose that uh, that leisure time to the commute is a big deal. And people seem to want to work around half the time from home when COVID's no longer an issue. And and you've got to frame this in like we are, I guess. It's not business as usual. This is not a normal work from home. This is sort of a crisis period. So if people are enjoying working from home now, they're likely to enjoy it more when COVID's no longer an issue and they can actually do much more. Um, So that's one of the things. Um, Your setup matters a lot when you're working from home. So uh, having a distinct space rather than working in your bedroom or on the kitchen table is really important. Um, systems matter a lot so businesses have had to send everyone to work at home really quickly without having much time to work out whether their comms platforms work and they've kind of bent them and and shoved them into you know square holes when they're when they're not right for the uh for the situation uh but I think overall what it's hold us is that working from home and and getting that hybrid model right can be a real source of competitive advantage for businesses that grasp onto this as an opportunity, not just to be more productive, but to improve the employee value proposition. I mean, so many people are going to want to have an an organisation that's supportive of them working flexibly, um, not just time-wise, but location-wise.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you also hear people talking about they've lost the relationship with other employees, they don't get to have, and I know you said people lose sort of two hours a day with, um, you know, with, with minor, I guess, just, you know, not productive tasks. Mm-hmm. But are we losing the communication between employees? Do we lose any of that team benefit or is it is it you saying working remotely you don't have to lose any of that?
1: No, I think that it's a really important thing, and it's the thing that people were most worried about was losing that cultural aspect. Um, What businesses that do remote work successfully, I think there are a couple of lessons. The first is they're really strategic about how informal interaction and communication occurs, so both how that happens in the digital realm, so they might have one platform like Slack or Instant Messenger or WhatsApp, that is just used for social stuff. And right. there'll be no work stuff on it. And they'll make sure of that. But face to face is really important. And so the businesses that were doing this well before COVID hit, they would have really intentional, well designed offsite. So everyone would come together, um, no matter how many offices they were working at, no matter where in the world they were they would all come together for that human interaction and getting that right. You know, there, there is no digital replacement for that. Um, and so that is, that's super important. And, you know, while we can't have that, that human interaction, I think a lot of businesses have, you know, done the Friday night drinks and cooking together and all those sorts of things. But, um, I don't think we should start thinking that that is a replacement for human interaction.
0: Yeah, okay. So you talked about some businesses that are doing this fairly well. What What do you see? What's the common characteristics of those businesses that are successfully working from home, remotely, et cetera?
1: <laughs> it's, it's boring, but documentation. Um, and yep. so using... Using knowledge management as though their their business or their business life depends on it, I guess, is the best way of putting it. So working out, um, if you were a new person at the organization and didn't have the opportunity to meet anyone, would you be able to find the important information quickly? And right. so there, there are lots of ways of doing that, but um, having a really good knowledge management platform that people understand how to use uh how to navigate and how to put content on is really the core there's this organization called GitLab, um which is the largest distributed so they have no offices and they've got about 1300 people and at the core of how they do that is just documenting everything so they have very few meetings um, they you know and but they have reams and rooms of documentation on their knowledge management platform that allows anyone in the organisation to find anything when they need it, instead of having to ask the same question five times. Um, yeah, no, no. So I, yeah. I, I think that that is more and more important, especially, you know, we're probably um, still fairly local when we're talking about mid-market businesses and working remotely as in the geographic Uh, location is pretty local as you move into different time zones that sort of documentation and, and knowledge management is even more important because you can't all just jump on a call because people are asleep
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah yeah okay so it's an interesting sort of change I have seen
0: I've got several clients who are working very very well remotely you know, remote offices, it typically tends to be businesses that are mid-market size. They've got offices in several locations, so they're often used to doing online meetings and that sort of stuff. For people that haven't had that before, it's quite
1: a challenge, I think. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, I think that we've been thrown into this very quickly. Um, yes. And a lot of businesses that we've worked with recently have had to step back and see, okay, well, there are a lot of gaps in the way that they've done it. For example, very few businesses that we've worked with thought about how their data and IT security policies would work in a remote setting. So, and and it's simple stuff. But if you've got people working in a share house, how many times have you locked you? You're working from home. Um, How many times have you thought about okay, well, can people hear my conversation? And Mm it's that those small risks. But that's the whole point of, you know, IT and data security, it's managing and mitigating those small risks. So I think a lot of businesses are going to have to really review how those policies are applied to remote work now, um, because we've found because it happens so quickly, uh, a lot of businesses haven't um, covered those bases. Yeah, okay. And
0: what about problems with people? Are you seeing what sort of impact is this having people working from home, you know, We've had uh, certainly in Australia here, Victoria, in an extended period of lockdown. Um, what what sort of problems are you seeing with people working from home more often?
1: Yes, as a as a Victorian, I can uh, emphasise. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest thing is disconnecting from work when you're working in your bedroom or your kitchen table. Uh, that line between work and home is the, it's just it's nowhere to be seen. Um, and so, what I talk to, especially with um, the clients that we work with, there's interesting research done by a guy called Adam Fraser on what he calls the third space. And so it's basically this idea of creating boundaries or transitions between different spaces. And yep. so, you know, we all hate the commute, but the commute actually provides us some time to, transition between home and work life listen to a podcast or or something and just have a bit of time to yourself to disconnect and think about how am I going to turn up to this next place and so if you've had a bad day at work you can say okay well I don't want to bring that home and so it's a really interesting thing where you know you might think about how do I create a fake commute like go for a walk around the block before you start work Listen to your favourite podcast, and then at the end of work, go for a walk around the block again, listening to the same podcast. So you have that moment to yourself um, that you can then collect yourself, reflect on the day, and then just leave work at work. Um, and so that's a really important thing um, to to think about. The other way that we um, we get clients to sort of think about is a shutdown routine. So. I've used this for a lot of years when I was at the office. It's just simply me. When I get to work, I'd unlock my filing cabinet. When I leave work, I lock it. And it just creates, a, I guess, a psychological trigger that I'm mm. in work, I'm out of work mode. And it's just creating those those little boundaries. Now that I'm working from home, all I do is I take my watch off when I get to my desk and I put it back on when I'm finishing up. And so <laughs> it's thinking about those simple things that cre- can create some sort of barrier or boundary between your work and home life, um, given that it's all kind of mixed up at the moment.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point. I actually know Adam Fraser. I should contact him and get him on the podcast at some point.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Yeah, cool. So the other thing I'm interested in, I mean, a lot of what you talk about is helping teams to do difficult things faster, faster, long-term competitive advantage. What are you seeing there? How do we get more done? Because everybody wants to get more done.
1: Yeah, um, I, I guess for me, there are three things that I work with with teams. The first is uh, distractions. So uh, getting people to understand what distractions are killing their their productivity and then implementing simple solutions. We, we go to work, we assume that we're good at productivity in fact we have evolved to be information foragers, and this is why we get so addicted to all these platforms um you know the the facebook's instagrams of the world and even work platforms like slack we just get addicted to because we are not designed to do long long stints of attention um you know there's an interesting documentary on netflix at the moment called the social dilemma which i'd I'd recommend everyone if they want to scare themselves and there's a guy on that called Azaraskin and he invented the infinite scroll so if you've ever sort of been to a news site that you never hit the bottom uh, that's by design because it doesn't let you disconnect and make a rational choice about okay well do I need to you know look at all these cat photos or, or all these news articles um, and he now estimates that that our feature costs around 200,000 lifetimes of human attention per day. And so we are so addicted to these things because we're not making conscious choices. And we just assume that we make the right decisions when we don't. So distractions are a really big part of what I teach teams about, um, hacking your motivation is really, really important as well. So there's a lot of tasks that people just don't want to do, you know, we put off and we procrastinate and they fester and they just usually kill our flow and kill the, the flow of our day. And so understanding different techniques that you can implement to hack your motivation to do tasks that you'll often put off is another big part of what we do. And then also just understanding the fundamentals. How do you, how do we naturally work Um how does our brain work? What's our um, the capacity for attention? and then designing um, the ways you work around that. Um, and it's just I suppose it comes back to just making conscious choices. At the moment, we're finding that people assume that these uh, computer platforms that we're given at work just are designed so that we can be as productive as possible, but that's usually not the business model. The business model is usually how do we harvest people's attention and sell them ads. Um, And so we want to make people as conscious about that sort of stuff as possible. Yeah, okay. So I'm interested,
0: you said there, you know, finding a way to hack motivation. Tell me more about that. Give me maybe an example of what works there or what you've seen work there.
1: Yeah, there's lots of stuff. So, I mean, the example I gave earlier was me doing the gamifying my thesis. Um, There's a lot of interesting platforms that are coming up at the moment um, that you, some of which you will book in half an hour and you'll be paired with a random stranger. And then you'll introduce yourself at the start of the 30 minute session on Zoom Um, and you'll tell them what you want to do in that half hour, you'll mute the microphone, leave the camera on and then get it done. And then you'll reflect on what you achieved. And it, it sounds super creepy, but what it's tapping into is this idea that, um, you know, a social accountability works. And, you know, if, if, if you're struggling to get something done and, you know, you, you need to find something, this might be for sole traders maybe, but, um, it's often there are ways to obviously replicate that with just Zoom, but yeah. social accountability is one way that really improves um, motivation when you're when you're struggling. I've found
0: it's interesting, isn't it, just to think about the little uh, tips and tricks. Yeah, you know, oh. I, I wrote down that you know your idea of taking your watch off and putting it back on, and that that's just a mental trigger to say to you, okay, I'm at work now, and now I'm going home, and there's a there's a line between them, which is actually the watch coming on and off, which used to be jumping on the tram or the bus or the train. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, so, mate, I'm interested in uh, in terms of you've done a lot of academic research. Um, How much has that changed in the last, you know, 9, 10, 12 months that COVID's been around? I I think, you know, working from home was often something that we put in as a policy to attract employees because we had a flexible workplace. But this is a whole different level now.
1: Yeah, I think that working from home, um, businesses are going to have to get that right Uh, moving forward. I think, um, you know, it's... Moving forward, that's going to be a massive employee value proposition. Um, If we're talking about the research that's coming out at the moment around productivity, there's a lot of interesting stuff um, in terms of Zoom fatigue, for example. So if you're on the Zoom all day, um, you're probably feeling exhausted. And that's because the brain is processing everything that's in people's backgrounds. And so, and we're not using a lot of these different platforms consciously. Um, So, you know, things like doing the introduction uh, and then turning your video off and doing the rest of the meeting with the video off, um, those sorts of things and making sure, again, like just being as conscious as possible when we're using these things um, to make sure that you're not sterilizing your company culture, but you're also making sure it's sustainable as possible.
0: Okay, so before we wrap up, I'm interested to ask you your number one tip. Um, given this this whole you know attention economist focused on how we get teams to do difficult things faster, what's your number one tip to make that work in the workplace?
1: I, th- I think for for mid market leaders, I reckon that this is a huge opportunity. Usually, you know, we'll go in as a management consultant and. We'll have to unfreeze the culture and do a lot of stakeholder engagement and then work out how to change things and then refreeze the culture. We are in a state of flux right now. Right. Uh, and as we move back into the offices, you know, we've got this window where you can introduce new ways of working um, without having to go through a lot of the pain that a normal uh, ma- change management, change management yeah. would need to do. And so, you know, experiment, um, look up the gadgets and the, the tips and tricks. And we publish a weekly newsletter um, that you can sign up to on building20.co. Uh, and it just gives you a whole lot of um, ideas to try so that, you know, if, for example, I have hundreds of tabs open. Um, on my web browser. And right. the average person spends eight hours a day, uh, eight hours a week, sorry, clicking through their tabs, looking for the right one. And so I spent a couple <laughs> of hours going through different solutions to that and found this free one called Toby, which is, I think, gettoby.com. And it just organizes my tabs in a way that I no longer have any tabs open really. Um, and for two hours um, investment to find the right solution and test a few others, getting back probably six hours a week, Yeah, that's uh, huge. a no-brainer. So just experiment and see the opportunity in this if you're a, if you're a leader of a mid-market firm would be my biggest tip.
0: Fantastic. Um, Luke, how do people get in touch with you? You mentioned the website, so it's building20.co. How do people yep. get in touch with you if they're looking for help or more guidance in this space?
1: Uh, Feel free to email, um, so lh at building20.co or LinkedIn, um, pretty prolific poster on there as well. So very happy to um, have a chat to anyone who's interested.
0: Fantastic. Luke, thanks for joining us today, mate. It's been great.
1: Thanks for having me, Craig.
0: Thanks for listening to Mid-Market Matters. I hope you found this episode helpful and informative for your business. To find out more, go to midmarketmatters.com.au. And to download other episodes, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.